0: Multitude of them arose and led him to Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ the King. And then Pilate asked him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? He answered and said, It is as you say. So Pilate said to the chief priests and the crowd, I find no fault in this man. But they were the more fierce, saying, He stirs up the people, teaching throughout all Judea beginning from Galilee to this place.
1: So, he's been convicted before the Sanhedrin on religious grounds, but when they bring him to Pilate, the governor, they transfer this to political accusations. We found this man misleading our nation, whatever that's supposed to (laughs) mean, and forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar. Hello? Hello? You remember where that was? You know... Truth doesn't matter to them. I mean, remember what he said. Give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. That is just a bold-faced, outright, absolute lie. And they knew good and well he hadn't done that. That's what they wanted him to say. That's not what he said. Will people ever lie about you? Whoa and saying that he himself is Christ, a king. Well, I guess you could say that, although they imply a political king, and that's not what he had indicated. So they are engineering these accusations to to tap, you know, the sensitive political nerves of the Roman governor. They've engineered these things to sound like something he's going to have to convict. You ever been falsely accused? Anybody ever lied about you? It'll happen. Man, and you know, it'll be, it'll be difficult. And so Pilate takes him inside and says, are you the king of the Jews? And, you know, Jesus is basically like, yeah, you said it. Jesus is not given to defining himself that way, but he can't deny it. Uh, Pilate brings it out and says, I don't think he's guilty. He's innocent. Now, when, when Pilate, the governor, makes a legal finding that he is innocent, what should happen uh, soon thereafter? Yeah, how do you hold a guy who's innocent? However, in this situation, the pe- the the leaders kept insisting, saying he stirs up the people, even from Galilee and all that. I mean, since when must the judge's verdict acquitting the defendant please the plaintiff? You know, you don't expect if if the judge rules in favor of the defendant. The prosecution is not going to like it. Yeah, I mean, why? Right? We know that, but Peter doesn't. Re- or Pilate doesn't release him. You know, and uh, they say, "Oh, well, he's stirring things up all the way to Galilee." Kind of trying to show this is a big problem, Pilate. You can't just you can't just say he's not guilty. Um, I, that's an interesting thing. He stirs up the people. Who's stirring up the people right about now?
2: <laughs>
1: you know, it's pot calling, kettle black. But Jesus has made quite a revolutionary impact. Shouldn't we? You know, we just, we need to be creating more waves than what we are. So at that time this has ever happened to me, which is a really, it really, really shows my weakness and, and how it should have been different. But but thirty twenty five thirty years ago, we were doing a lot of knocking on doors in a particular region in all of Kentucky. Kind of we ended up converting two ladies from a particular denomination to, in separate you know situations. By the time we converted the second one, she was quite a lady, and she was uh, very uh, aggressive, and so she not necessarily with our approval, was determined to continue to go to that church and show those people they were wrong. (laughs) And she was forceful about it. Well, she let me know that one particular Sunday night, they had let her know this sermon was going to be for her. So I went. And I got to hear, you know, the pastor, whatever, say, when the Oldham Woods church comes knocking at your door, Oh, the Lord's Church of Christ, you probably say, comes knocking at your door. That's the devil knocking at your door and don't open up to them. I mean, that's the first and only time I've ever, there's ever been enough impact that anybody cared. You know, I mean, what a blessing when we've done enough that it's like, hey, he's keeping things stirred up all over the place. Wouldn't you say that about Paul? Now, obviously, it's their opposition that's stirring things up, but Paul was kind of a lightning rod. Shouldn't we be bolder and make more of a difference? And shouldn't we get a bad reputation? The fact that we don't have proves we're making too many compromises and not speaking enough, I think. Thoughts and comments 6 to 12.
2: When Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked if the man were a Galilean. And as soon as he knew that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at that time. Now when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceedingly glad, for he had desired for a long time to see him, because he had heard many things about him and hoped to see some miracle done by him. Then he questioned him with many words, but he answered him nothing. And the chief priests and scribes stood and vehemently accused him. Then Herod, with his men of war, treated him with contempt and mocked him, arrayed him in a gorgeous robe, and sent him back to Pilate. That very day, Pilate and Herod became friends with each other, for previously they had been in enmity with each other. All right, so
1: Pilate hears that he's Galilean, and Pilate jumps on the chance to... Get rid of him. Yeah. Oh, well, then, then it's Herod. That's Herod's jurisdiction. You know, isn't that funny? He doesn't want to have to deal with him, so send him up to Herod. How did Herod feel about receiving him? He was glad. Because? He wanted to see him for a while. Yeah. He views him as some kind of a juggler or something, you know. I want to see a trick. You know, he wants to see this. And what does he see? Nothing. Nothing. (laughs) Nothing. Doesn't even hear anything. Jesus has this amazing self-control. So finally, Herod just dresses him up, mocks him, you know, sends him back to Pilate. But (laughs) one good thing came out of this, right? (laughs) What was that?
3: Herod and Pilate became friends? Yeah,
1: yeah. You know, thanks to their mutual mistreatment of Jesus, these two enemies end up being uh, friends. So uh, Jesus... uh, Reconciles people either to God or to his enemies to each other as they bind together to fight against Jesus. By the way, which Herod was this? The Herod that we know from being famous for <coughs> killing John the Baptist, yes. This is Herod Antipas. So, what's his relationship to the Herod that killed the babies around Bethlehem?
2: Not the same.
1: Not the same. (laughs) What's his relationship to the baby-killing Herod? He's his son. What's his relationship to the Herod that was eaten by worms and died in Acts 12? That's his nephew. And then his great-nephews and nieces included Agrippa, Bernice, and Drusilla. So that's some of the family tree. But uh, so, you know, he sends him back to Pilate and they become uh, good friends. Thoughts and comments through verse 12 13 to 25.
4: And Pilate summoned the chief priests and the rulers and the people, and said to them, You brought this man to me as one who incites the people to rebellion, and behold, having examined him before, you have found no guilt in this man regarding the charges which you make against him. No, nor has Herod, for he sent him back to us, and behold, nothing deserving death has been done by him. I will therefore punish him and release him. Now he was obliged to release to them at the feast one prisoner. But they cried out together, saying, Away with this man, and release for us Barabbas. He was the one who had been thrown into prison for a certain insurrection made in the city and for murder. And Pilate, wanting to release Jesus, addressed him again. But they kept on calling out, saying, Crucify, crucify him. And he said to them a the third time, Why, what evil has this man done? I have found him no guilt, demanding death. I will therefore punish him and release him. But they were insistent with loud voices asking they be crucified, and their voices began to prevail. And Pilate pronounced sentence that their demands should be granted, and he released the man that they were asking for who had been thrown into prison
1: for insurrection and murder, and he delivered Jesus to their will. Alright, so Pilate gets the people together, and what does he say again?
3: Neither me nor Herod has found any fault in him. Oh,
1: he is innocent! That should settle it. Mm-hmm. And Herod confirmed that. He doesn't find any guilt in him either. He's innocent. What do you do with an innocent person? Let him go. Absolutely. What, what, I mean, if you continue to hold an innocent person, a person who's been declared innocent in this country, you'd be in big trouble. You know, so you release him. But did you notice something disconcerting in verse 16?
4: Punish him and
1: release him? <laughs> On what basis may I ask if he's innocent? i found no guilt in this man so I'll punish him and release him. What's the deal with that? Objeesement. Yes. Some minor conciliatory gesture. Well, you know, I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll punish him. Mm-hmm. What does that show these chief priests about Pilate? He's mm-hmm. weak. He's weak and willing to give in to pressure if they put enough on it. Mm -hmm. This is like, you know, blood for some ravenous animal. You know, I mean, it's like, just let me beat him up and let's all agree to leave it at that. Mm
3: -hmm. But if he's innocent,
1: he doesn't deserve to be beat up. No.
3: no. I I feel like time and time again, and also with an axe, you see how much of a hold the Jews as a collective group have on the whole system. Like, they know. That if they act up, they'll start messing up everything. And so in order to please them, they know they can work and manipulate the system in order to take out anybody who is opposing them or just causing strife in general.
1: And here's the woman governor. Why does he care if the Jews like it or not?
3: You know? Because if they start rioting and stuff, his the uppers will crack down on him for it. I think so.
1: And I think they could have been blackmailed. and pilot was not very good
3: governor.
1: And you know, so I think, I think he feels somewhat you know, bound to have to appease them to some extent. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is not a governor acting on principle. Mm-hmm. But one that's trying to work it out with them, not to have them crucified, which they will not settle for anything less than crucifixion. He's not going to make them happy, unless he does that. And uh, so then there's this question of which prisoner would be released on the Passover and who do they clamor to be released? Forever. Who was guilty of? Murder. Yeah, insurrection and murder. They're accusing Jesus of stirring things up and they want the guy who's been rioting to be released to them? You know, that's like really strange. You know, he's guilty of the very crimes they charged Jesus with committing. So, I mean, it just shows you they're not acting by some principle of, you know, virtue and justice. well, someone who's been stirring things up like this shouldn't be allowed to live. You know, they're fine with Barabbas. By the way, do you know what Barabbas' name meant? Son of the Father. Hmm. They screamed for the release of one son of the Father and rejected the true son of the Father. Yeah, it's kind of ironic. And think about it. So, Barabbas is guilty of what they're accusing Jesus of. Mm -hmm. Who gets punished? Jesus takes Barabbas' place and is punished, and Barabbas is set free. Do you see how that's kind of a mini model of the gospel, where Jesus dies in our place? We're the ones that committed the crimes. We're the ones that deserve to die. But who was killed? Jesus in our place. So Barabbas represents us. I mean, just think about, you know, is the crowd clamoring? Barabbas, I assume, is slated to, to be on that cross that day. And so, could, well, you wonder, did Barabbas hear the crowd? Crucify him, crucify him. Release Barabbas. Well, guys, what is it? I can imagine him are they going to release me? He's innocent. Oh, I'm going to have that. The crowds, you know, kind of the up and down. And, and, and finally, Jesus is the one they take, and they release him. I mean, if you could apply that to us spiritually,
3: to think Jesus is the one who's crucified in our blood. Yes. I think a lot of times we like to think that the Bible in its entirety is just and fair and everything. But really, I mean, it's unjust in that regard, that we did not get the punishment we deserved. Yes, And that Jesus was the one that was innocent and never had committed any sin, and yet he was the one that took our place. Absolutely, yes.
1: The gospel is not a system of justice. Mm-hmm. Justice would demand our punishment. It's a system of grace. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and, and again, you know, Pilate uh, says in 22... Why? What evil has this man done? I have found in him no guilt demanding death, therefore I'll punish him and release him. You know, how many times are you going to have to say that? You know, he keeps saying, he's innocent, he's innocent, he's innocent. So, why? He's not acting on principle. Um, you know, he's a pawn in the hands of uh, the ones he's supposed to be ruling over. And he knuckles under pressure. Um, so. That's that's what got him crucified, was the Jewish demands and Pilate's weakness. Thoughts and comments?
3: I think it's very frustrating when you are an outside source watching something that you can't control crumble. And you can can see it, and you know it's going to happen. And just like this Pilate, no matter what he does, the outcome is going to be the same. Jesus will be crucified, and that's just how it's going to be. He can't do anything he has no power in the situation and he had power they did want to use it yeah. you know in the... I mean because
1: you can always do the right thing there may be consequences but you can do the right thing right. he wasn't that concerned about the right thing more than being concerned about the right thing he was protecting his
2: uh, you know interest in this
3: mm-hmm.
2: is there any importance to Pilate asking the question three times Asking the question. Yeah, when it, like he, oh, um... Like, it's declaring him Verse 22, he said to them the third time, why, what evil has he done? Okay, and yeah. thinking about Peter doing it three times, is there any importance? There's a lot of triples,
1: mm-hmm. so maybe there is. I don't okay. know. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting observation. Other thoughts? 26 to 31.
2: When they led him away, they seized a man, Simon of Cyrene, coming in from the country, and placed on him the cross to carry behind Jesus. And following him was a large crowd of the people, and of women who were mourning and lamenting him. But Jesus turned to them and said, Daughters of Jerusalem, stop weeping for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren, and the wombs that have never bore, and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things, when the tree is given, no. When the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry?
1: So, Simon does what? Carries the cross. Normally, a criminal did. It would be Jesus' job, but apparently, I, we're assuming he just couldn't after the scourging and all that. Mm-hmm. Pretty big yeah. Big. Now, it wasn't the. The upright piece, that would already be in place. This would be the cross piece. Um, So the Roman government had the right to order anybody (laughs) to go, you know, a certain distance carrying anything for them. So the Roman soldiers get Simon. But isn't that ironic? What are we supposed to do to be a disciple? To carry our, carry cross. our cross and follow Jesus. <laughs> what did Simon do? <laughs> he carried the cross and followed Jesus. You know, there's kind of a literal view uh, <laughs> you know of that. It's kind of funny. I mean, I, I suspect there's some symbolism in that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So, so here's Jesus. You know, on the way to the crucifixion. Even if you just looked at it physically, crucifixion is horrible.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, it's like (laughs) a terror apparatus a totalitarian regime needs to stay in power. You know, terrorize the people with crucifixion. It was bad. Mm
2: -hmm. But what's Jesus thinking about? (coughs) Him being
3: separated for God. Not
2: even that. What's he thinking about here? He's looking at the people that are mourning. And worried about them. You see that consistently. He thinks
1: about disciples. Remember what he said in John 14? You know, don't let you don't 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 let your heart be troubled. You know to be anxious. Uh, you know I'll take care of you. You know Jesus. You know Father, forgive them. The, you know their sins. You know get, entrusting Mary to the care of John. I mean, you see, Jesus. It is out of most greatest you know agony and suffering, worried about everybody else. That, that's incredible. We would not do that. You know, and so he's like, "Daughters of Jerusalem, stop weeping for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children, because he knows what's going to happen in Jerusalem. He knows the terrible siege that's going to take place and how horrible it's going to be. Don't be worried about me. It's going to be a lot worse for you, ladies." Um He said, "Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never nurse, and the breasts that uh, the wombs that never bore, the breasts that never nurse. It's going to be better off being childless in that day. Normally, you sympathize with women." been unable to bear children, and that's a real, you know, hard thing to deal with. It's going to be a blessing because for, to bring up children to see the horrible distress of Jerusalem when they're besieged and starved out and all that, that's going to be really bad. I mean, they'll, they'll want the mountains to cover them. Ever wanted to be avalanched by a mountain? <laughs> you know, not, not something you'd want unless it was really bad. And then Jesus says, for if they do these things when the tree is green, what will the what will happen when it is dry? What in the world is that? They do these things when the tree's green? What'll happen when it's dry? Any idea what that's talking about?
2: Things
1: will get worse. Yeah. You're right.
2: Like this is
4: the this is the good part. Is that yeah, that what he's saying?
1: If you're trying to burn firewood, how does burning green wood... You understand, green, you know, it hasn't been cured, it's been cut. How does that work? It doesn't burn very long. It doesn't. It, so if, if even the... If, if the fire is so great that the green wood is incinerated <laughs> rapidly, what would happen with a piece of dry wood? If they are doing these things to me, an innocent, holy person, what will be the fate of the guilty nation? You know, I think that's the point. I mean, they're doing this to Jesus? Whoa, <laughs> it doesn't look good for the daughters of Jerusalem. You know, there's going to be a lot worse uh, thing for them. It's just amazing that under all this stress, Jesus is just so composed and so, I mean, he's never flustered. Wow. I mean, it's just, it's really amazing. I bet they've never had a prisoner on <laughs> his way to the crucifixion is saying things like this. I mean, I can imagine them saying, help me, you know, I'm innocent, be protesting or something. I don't know. Or, or crying or wailing or, you know, but but telling the daughters of Jerusalem, stop weeping for me, but weep for yourselves and your children, all that he says right there. You can imagine these soldiers are like, is he for real?
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thoughts and comments. I think that majorly hits back on that ultimate self-control that he has right now. I mean, the constantly thinking about I'm doing this for the Lord. It's not, this pain is... But minor and light affliction, yeah. and it's not. It'll it'll all be worth it.
1: Yeah, I mean Jesus just serving his father and serving others, and just has amazing composure. Mm-hmm. Other thoughts. Okay, how about thirty-two to thirty-eight? <laughs>
2: there were also two two others, criminals, led with him to be put to death. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. And the people stood looking on, but even the rulers with them sneered, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. The soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And an inscription was also written over him in letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew This is the king of the Jews.
1: So, Jesus is crucified with two criminals, um, you know, as if he were a common, ordinary criminal. And it's so interesting. I mean, Luke writes this as a disciple of Christ. I mean, uh, M- Matthew and John were, I, you know, eyewitness I, I disciples. I mean, I say John, I think so, I'm crucified. Maybe Matthew didn't, but but they love him. Um, they write these things so calmly and objectively. When they were come to the place called the Skull, there they crucified him, and the criminals, one on the right and one on the left. It's like. Wow, how do you say that without shrieking, without saying, it was outrageous, this was ridiculous, this was horrible? They don't ever say that? Hey, Chris, one word. Now, you know, apparently, and probably everybody knows this, but apparently they drove stakes like there's wrists and ankles. And, you know, you would tend to suffocate because you're hanging. And you can't get much of a breath when you're hanging. You need to raise yourself up to fill your lungs. So, you know, how would you do that? Well, I'm not sure if the arms were out like this, or if the arms were above him. But but either way, even if the arms were above you, how much strength do you have in your arms to raise you up? Not a lot. You, those arms can out in no time. It's more your legs. You be raising up with your legs, pressing against the n- nails that are through your ankles. <laughs> Can you imagine what that was like? But that's what you have to do to you the know, breath. That's what I understand. It happens, and so you know, you know, like when they broke the legs. Why would they break the legs? Well, like they can't get breath anymore. I mean, they're going to suffocate really quickly when they do that. So, um, and 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 so gradually your breath gets shallower. I mean, you're cramping really bad. You hadn't had liquid, as far as we know, all night, and lost a lot of blood and all that. And you know, and so I mean, the cramping and just the weakness of your legs. Eventually, you push yourself up less and less. Your breath gets shallower. Your lungs fill with fluid. You know, it's just, wow. This is, I mean, you wonder, who designed this? You know, this is, somebody deserves a, you know, really horrible, horrible punishment for ever having come up with this as a way to kill somebody. I mean, we're all into humane punishment. I mean, you know, we want to make sure if it's an electric chair that it works good so it
3: zaps him real quick they don't feel it. Yeah. Also, even with the lifting himself up, his back had already been completely torn open and this lumber, it wasn't treated like anything today. This was raw wood. So each time he had gone upwards, it'd be scraping and just splintering all of his back. And I mean... Yeah, and, and you think about how helpless
1: you are. Now, obviously, Jesus could do something about begustment. So on the cross he's helpless. So I mean, you know, you can't swat a fly. You know, you can't wipe the sweat off. He's just totally helpless. And then, and, and you know, we see here in uh, thirty-four stripped. Yeah. I mean, we some people think that because of the Jewish, you know, religion, conscience, and so forth, there may have been some kind of a loincloth. Maybe, or maybe it was just dark the weight is humiliating. You just exposed. You're It is there. No. That was hard. At what well, they call it the place of the skull. You know the two theories as to why they called it the place of the skull.
3: Either it looked like a skull
0: or that was where they killed people so there, right. Right. there was Right. death place.
2: If
1: it looked like a skull that skull, then it was like a hill we call Mount Calvary. If it, if it means that it's where they kill a lot of people well, a lot of skulls there, we have no idea if it's a mount or a hill or not. Uh, so we well, our, our evidence for being a hill or a mount is it depends on this being <laughs> the shape of a skull. I think it's more likely a place where they had a bunch of skulls after they crucified people. Who knows? You don't believe
2: in a hill called Mount Calvary. So I'm breathe. not at all
1: sure that it was a hill. <laughs> Maybe it was anyway, but you know who knows? Um, and then you've got verse 34. Notice, my margin says, some early manuscripts do not contain what Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. That's a really debated issue. Is that really there in the original or not? I mean, objectively, the external evidence, you understand external evidence, like how which manuscripts, how many, and how old would slightly lean toward excluding it. Internal evidence from various factors, I think, leans toward including it. Really hard to explain how this got in there if it wasn't original. You can see why they would have wanted to exclude it. Maybe people anti-Jewish wouldn't want them to be forgiven. You know, uh, there's several things you might might want to not use it. It's clearly really old. I think it probably is textual. I, I would consider it to be a part of the text. Um, So, but, if if he didn't do it, Stephen did. (laughs) You know, and Stephen followed Jesus. So, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. I mean, is that what you feel in this situation? Wow. That's just really remarkable. And, uh, did, did, did God answer this prayer? Think about Acts 6, verse 7, uh, and and a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. You know, you wonder if some of these priests that were obedient to the faith in in Acts 6 were some of the ones who crucified him and God answered the prayer to forgive them. I don't know, but it's interesting to think about. It's just really interesting that Jesus was so, again, thinking about other people. And then they mocked him. He saved others. He can't save himself yeah yeah he he thought he was a big savior if he's the if he's the Christ God's chosen one he's really God's son like he said you know if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself, come on, get down from there Arrgh. i hate I hated being taunted. I have been and man it's just it's hard and and just man it's like to me. To me, it's like they've been wanting this chance for so long. And he's escaped out of their hands. He's got all the power and done the miracles and the people love him and all that. And finally, they get their grubby mitts on him. And they're just going to milk it for all it's worth. They've got all this pent-up anger and frustration with Jesus that they're all discounting on him right here and now. And just just... You know, just crucify him and be done with it. Don't do not do all this mocking and ridicule. But they want everything they can out of him.
3: Yeah. And to think even with everything that they have done and continue to do, he's still thinking about them. Yeah, and amazing. In, in, in loving eyes, how do you... I, I, that's <laughs> just a concept I can't even grasp, how you would love or care for somebody... at uh, at all that could ever even think of doing something like that to anybody else so how should we treat those who hurt us same way what an amazing
1: thing to think about caring about the soul of the person who mistreats you the person who hurts you you're thinking oh I don't want them to have to suffer for this that's remarkable that's really remarkable they offer him sour wine, probably, and this, this is debated, I think it's probably some kind of a primitive narcotic trying to deaden the pain, and he doesn't end up taking it you know from the other Gospels. Um, and they write above him, this is the king of the Jews. That was Pilate getting his last dig in. You know, he's sore about the fact he got maneuvered into crucifying him. Wait, well, at least he's going to put the charge the King of the Jews. <laughs> that doesn't please him very much, but isn't that interesting? Is it a crime to be the King of the Jews? And, and you know, he is the King of the Jews. It says so right there on that sign. And that was truth. Thoughts and comments, to 38.
2: The um, statement about Father, forgive them, is this the only
3: gospel that would yes. have that in it? Okay, yes. so that's why it's you, know, yes. sure. right. you don't no, know, it's not it in No, it's not any of the others. Okay. So, so, yeah.
1: But it is reflected in what Stephen said. Right. There's no dispute about that. Anything else? 39
0: to 43. From one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? For we indeed justly, for we receive a reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, you know, you
1: got these two guys that are criminals crucified with Jesus. One of them is like, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. Isn't that how people look at God? Come on, we're in a bad spot here. Help us out. You know, we want a God who can work a miracle now and then in our favor. You know, it's like, what's God worth if he doesn't come through for us? You know, totally a wrong idea about God and serving God and the greatness of God and so forth. So that's what one of them is saying. You know, disrespectful and all that. But what's the other one
2: saying? Don't you fear God?
1: If there's a moment to fear God, wouldn't this have been a good one? (laughs) (laughs) You wonder about these guys who blaspheme God all the way to their deathbed and beyond. It's like, cry uncle for crying out loud. You know, it's it's really ridiculous. And I think he's reflecting that here. You know, and we're suffering because we deserve it. (laughs) You know, we've done the stuff they're punishing us for. You know, Jesus didn't. So that's powerful. But then, what an amazing thing. Jesus, remember me when you come in your kingdom. What's remarkable about that? Seemed to have a concept that others didn't. And at an interesting moment...
3: He seems to think that this isn't the end of Jesus.
1: This guy looks like a guy with a kingdom? <laughs> no. Wow. I mean, there are many people who saw Jesus raise the dead, and they don't believe. He sees Jesus being put to death
3: and believes. You really
1: wonder about where he got this. Noah.
3: And I feel like a lot of times when people are at the brink of death, you start to really see through a lot of things. You st- you're just starting to transcend barriers. You see straight through a ton of things, prioritizing starts becoming very more prominent. You're, you're really seeing the big picture and everything you're reflecting, looking back. So this guy obviously is, I mean, he sees, he sees that throughout everything that Jesus has done, how could he not be the savior? He he's perfect. And he obviously shows that he believes in Jesus and that he's hoping that he can have eternal life with him. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's
1: very understandable that at this moment you're reflecting on your life. Mm -hmm. What's not understandable to me is Jesus? He looks pathetic. He looks as weak as you do. Mm -hmm. And yet he believes Jesus is coming in his kingdom. I wonder if he had heard Jesus preach, or at least he knew a lot about his preaching, I wonder if Jesus' attitude, the things he's saying and doing, his demeanor, may have also caught people's attention. I mean, there's subtle things about Jesus that are really impressive. And Jesus and his father forgets that when he's on the cross. And when he's not, I mean, I'm assuming he's not wailing and cussing everybody out and, you know, whatever. I mean, Jesus' royal demeanor on the cross, it's got to mean something. Uh, but, I don't know, it's just, there's a lot of good things in this in this guy. I mean, he may have done some bad
3: stuff before,
1: but his attitude here is right, now.
3: And I feel like up until, or sure. even into this point, I, I'm wondering if the people are starting to, and, and we do see later on that they do acknowledge the fact that, oh, th- this was him, who he claimed to be. But right now, are they looking back and thinking, well... This is weird. Why is he still acting like it? Because that's what they were thinking. They were thinking he was just putting on a show, acting. This wasn't. This was not real, and everything. But I, I right. mean, they're thinking right. He, right. We, we're treating him as bad as we want to, and he's still yeah. acting this way. I mean, is it? Could it really be? And that just. I mean, even then, they continuously go and it, it just.
1: Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Uh, right on. And so, I mean, Jesus says, truly I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. Notice this, with me. You'll be with me. What makes paradise paradise is being with Jesus. It reminds me of Romans 6. You know, if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we should also be in the likeness of his resurrection. You know, he was with Jesus and he died, and he's going to be with Jesus in in paradise. so, I mean, that's, that's wow, it's remarkable. Uh, just the most unlikely people are the ones who believe in the Gospels. The people you would have thought would have believed are his enemies.
2: He kind of reminds me, the thief on the cross reminds me of Abraham a little bit, whenever he was going to offer Isaac, and he was saying that like he and Isaac were going to come back. Like I don't know that we necessarily know that this thief had everything, like, figured out about heaven and God and Jesus, right. but he had enough to say that I'm going to put my faith in you, and kind of like, I don't think that Abraham knew exactly what God was going to do with
3: Isaac. Um, yeah.
1: Trust in God is trusting God even
3: when you don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. No, nope. and, and I just, I, I wonder how sweet those words sounded to him as oh, he's yeah. being crucified. I mean, just to know that you you will be impaired. Like that's that thought, just that reassurance. I mean, Jesus just told you that the gravity of that sentence for him is more than I think I can comprehend. Yeah, it's amazing.
1: <laughs> think about this. How many people in this chapter declare Jesus innocent?
0: <laughs>
1: Pilate, Herod. This guy says, this man has done nothing wrong. So the, the, the thief himself. And then the centurion in 47 will say, certainly this man was innocent. We are just bombarded by the fact he's an innocent man that's being crucified. You see it all over this chapter. That seems to be a, very much a theme that Luke emphasizes. Because that's the thing. He is an innocent man being crucified. He's dying for us. I think that's the, the thing he is innocent himself he's suffering in our place other thoughts
2: Matthew seems to indicate that at some point both robbers were insulting him do you have any comment on that
1: yeah you've got um, what is it Matthew 27 44 the robbers who've been crucified with him were also insulting him with the same words You know, I'm not sure what to do with that. The common thought, at least that I've heard, is they both start out bad-mouthing him, and then one of them, the good one here, has the change of heart. I think it might be possible also to interpret this as, you know, the category... You got the chief priest, you've got the passersby, you've got the robbers. Not necessarily both of them, but just kind of using it as a plural of, of the category. So, I, I'm not sure. But certainly you could reconcile it just by saying they started and then the other guy had to change his card. Maybe saying robbers doesn't necessarily have to imply both of them, but just that category of people. Okay. So, good question in the debated issue.
2: This is probably a silly question, but today you'll be with me in paradise?
3: Like, I thought the robbers died later than Jesus. Like, is it literally the same day? Today? Was it the same day?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I think okay. they broke their legs so that they die right away because they don't want to leave their bodies on the cross. It was considered to be a cursed thing, and it was Sabbath day coming. So you don't want to leave the bodies on the cross Sabbath, so they... Cut their, broke their legs, I'll okay. die right away. So
3: everybody did die on the I same day? I think they day. did. Yeah. Just yeah. different times of the same Right, day. yeah. Okay. I
1: mean, they, they were going to do it with Jesus. It was right. Like, He's already dying already. You okay. know, so they don't break his legs. But but I mean, I don't think it'd be any time after you broke the legs. Okay. Especially by the time it's, they've been out the cross a few hours. Mm-hmm. What are they going to do? They will be able to push up with your legs. Tell me you got any, even if your arms are like this. Wait, how many, how many pull ups are you going to do? I realize that'd be a whole pull up. But, I mean, you're not going to have any more strength. I mean, and, and you're weakened and weakened and weakened and weakened. You're just going to go with no time.
4: Why would the Romans
1: care if they were on the cross in the Sabbath? I don't think they do. I think it's a matter of conceding to the Jewish, you know, customs. and They're doing a lot of things. You know... They're tyrants and they're dominating, and yet they've got to appease them. They've got to keep them happy in some things. And that's such a. The Jews were so big on some of their rules and regulations. Mm -hmm. And I mean, really, for the Romans, I mean, might as well get them killed off the cross. Other thoughts? All right. Well, that's the end of my notes. We're nearly to the end of our time, so I think I'll stop here, and that way I can stick with my notes uh, next time, even though that may mean...